Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Thank you that he, thank you God, thank the Lord that Jesus took our place. Amen. Um, the, uh, we've enjoyed having um, a couple of different messages from people recently, and we're kind of moving on slightly, although there will still be peppered in a, f- a couple of messages still on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, but today, uh, I, I really sense that we need to go back and, and, and look at faith for daily living and relying on the Lord Jesus Christ, relying on God. And so this message is called Fully Rely on God, and uh, it might be the start of a short series of messages that um, help us to um, go deeper in our trust and our faith in, in, in God. And, and, and so you understand where I'm coming from, amen? Um, you know, the, the, the meaning of the word rely means to depend on something with full trust and confidence, amen? To depend on something with full trust and confidence. Um, and so, uh, in a way, this is kind of like uh, a fruit of the Spirit, because faithfulness, being full of faith, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, amen? So, but, tr- you know, to have, put your confidence and your trust in something, you must have faith in that thing, amen? And so, um, one of the communion scriptures that we read this morning in Isaiah 53, it's verse 6 specifically, feeds a little bit into this message today. <clears throat> it's a message about relying on the Lord, because I think if you remember, and you go to that verse in Isaiah, it says something like, um, all of us um, went our own way. We, like sheep, went astray. And uh, we, have a, we have a way of... of quite often wandering off and doing what we want to do, doing our own way. And I've had lots of people come and have conversations with us over the years that, that have said, I feel like I've, I've gone astray. feel like I've got off of the path that the Lord had put me on. Amen. Some people, people that don't know the Lord are on a path anyway. Um, and, uh, there's, and we just have to present to them that there's a pathway back to God. Well, they might say, well, I was never with God in the first place. But then that gives us an opportunity to minister into their lives and to tell them that they have an identity and they were created in the image of God himself and that um, he wants you back and he wants to give you a new life. Amen. And so this is a message about the strength and depth of our faith and trust in him. Amen. And so... That's what we're going to stick on for a little while. You know, I'm finishing my <clears throat> academic year with my students, and I prepare some one-to-one time with them at the end of the year and get to the opportunity to speak to them about a few things. And one of the things that I'll, I get to speak to them about is trust. And because uh, nowadays in the school, you, ha- you, you would think you have to be very careful about what you say, but um, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to, to, to speak into the lives of young people. So I like to talk to them about trust in the scope of what I do with them. Um, and so I say, okay, this is the acid test, okay? And I have these, these kids um, for uh, bicycle maintenance lessons, all right? I say, here's the acid test. I say, 
do I believe if I gave you my own personal bicycle that you would be able to do a safety check on my bike or do any repairs that were necessary and when I get it back, I could just get on my bike and ride it, you know? So would I have the confidence that everything was going to be okay? And then I'll watch their faces. I don't usually listen to what they say. I just look at their faces because I know by looking at their faces what's, what's going on. So, um, but it's, it's, it's amazing when you affirm them and, and you say, do you know what? I'm going to put my trust and my confidence in you to do this. It changes them completely. And, and I think it's the same with the Lord. You know, whenever we, whenever we place our, our trust 100%, 110%, our faith in him, it delights him. It delights him, you know. And so um, I'm like, that's the acid test. Could I, could I do that? And it's a bit like, you know, who, who packed your parachute? You know, who's, who's, who's packed your parachute? Because a bike's one thing. You know, my, my nephew rode his bike down one of the streets in West Bride one time and hopped up onto a curb and the front wheel came out. And he avoided the serious accident. But when you're at 25,000 feet, you need to know who's packed your parachute. Do you know what I mean? And I was thinking about that, and there was a guy called Charles Plum. He was, a, he was an American Air Force pilot, and he was, he was flying off of an aircraft carrier, and this was during the Vietnam War. And um, he had flown something like 75 missions into Vietnam, and uh, one day he was, he was shot down. His aircraft was shot down. And so he bailed out, and he parachuted to the ground, and uh, he, was, um, he was captured and put into a concentration camp for, I don't know, five or six years or something like that. Years and years later, he made his way back to the States and he was released. And he was in a restaurant somewhere. And uh, a guy came up to him and says, Are you, you're Charles Plum, aren't you? And he says, yeah, how, how do you know? He says, um, I packed your parachute. And, 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 and so him and his wife were sitting there, and he just looked at him and says, what are you talking about? He says, I was on your carrier, and I was responsible for packing all the chutes. And so he says, I packed your parachute. And I thought, wow, you know, think about that. There was this man down in the galley of the ship, and that's all he had to do was pack parachutes so that those airmen could put 100% of their confidence that when they ejected, that thing was going to open. <laughs> Amen? And so, and, and, and I think, you know, that this thing has to work, right? And I thought a bit more about this, and I thought, you know what? Yeah, even though we put all our faith and our trust and our confidence in the Lord, it doesn't mean to say that we won't still go through trials, because he still got his parachute to the ground and he was a prisoner of war. Amen? But that parachute worked, amen. So these, these young lads that, that, I, that I'm with sometimes, they greatly appreciate the affirmation and that someone would place that much trust in their ability really does mean something to them. And so it, it delights the Lord when we put all of our faith and trust in him, amen. You know, the, the, that that. Scripture in Isaiah 53, 6, it tells us we've all gone our own way. We, we turned. We turned our back on Jesus. The people, his people turned their backs 
on him and decided to go in another direction. That's the reality of it. Turn, they turned their back on their Savior. Amen. And I think um, about the world today, and I, I'm, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, it seems to me that the world has largely forsaken Christ. We have removed the transcendent one from our lives, from society, from culture, and we've allowed the things of this world to become transcendental instead. Instead of allowing God to rise up, people are looking for ways to rise up above the limitations of their lives, and they're looking for any which way, any path, any direction that they believe will lead them there, where's there. Well, whatever level or quality of existence they hope to live in, I, I guess. So people are, are embark on a path because I think, I think, generally speaking, people want better. And, and they go for that. But I thought, how are we as the church going to make a difference? How are we going to make a difference to these people? How, if, if, if the world has removed the, the transcendent one out of schools, culture, society, how are we going to make a difference Surely there has to be something different about us if we are going to make a difference. Surely there's something about us that has to make the lost take notice of us. Amen. You know, if we tell them, you know, hey, listen, you can be just like me. And they look at you and they say, I don't want to be anything like you. You've, oh, you've got a problem. I, I tell the story, I've told it before, about... Um, Pastor Graham Lennox, who was trying to evangelize my dad and came to our house and he had um, a baggy jumper with holes in it and holes in his feet, in his shoes. And my mum was saved and my dad was a hooligan. And um, he kept on, he was persistent. He kept on coming round. And he came in one day and he plonked himself on the sofa and he crossed his legs. Unfortunately for him, his direction of his soul was not in the right place. And he says, Bernie, you could be just like me. And my dad said, I'll never be anything like you and grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and physically threw him out the house. So when we say you can be like me, be attractive to be like, <laughs> amen. You know, let's be honest, the church in general and also the word of faith based churches have come under strong attack for various reasons, but a lot of imbalanced doctrine has the potential to harm the church. When the word is preached, the word has to remain true, not changed. The word says, this is my word, do not, do not change one jot or tittle of it. The word has to stay in context, amen, and the word has to be presented with love not any other motive apart from love. So the word of faith, although it's been maligned in the past for whatever excesses it represented, is still the word. Go with me in Romans to Romans chapter 10. And I'm sorry, media team, I don't think you've got this one. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the what that we preach. 
the word of faith. This book tells us that the word of faith is the word that we preach. Okay? That's what we preach. Satan has come against the word of faith in a huge way. The enemy has brought in all sorts of things, and unfortunately, there's been much destruction. But this is the word that we must preach. Amen? The truth is that faith produces something in us that's extremely valuable. But faith is tested first before that. You know, what, what is the word some of our scholars will say? We're refined as silver, silver and gold are refined. We're refined. We're tested. We're tried. Amen. You know, it's not always the case. And this is where sometimes it's, the, you know, it's been difficult is because, well, word of faith, whatever you say, you can have, right? Well, that depends on a lot of things. But a lot of that's, that was what everything was tarred with. You know, uh, whatever you say, you'll receive it. Yeah, no questions asked. All of that kind of stuff. It's not always the case that faith produces the answer immediately. Because faith has to tarry a lot of times. And we, we are tarrying in faith. We're believing for our we're believing for our son and daughter to come back to church. Amen? Amen. So we tarry in faith. We tarry in faith. God has got a plan and a purpose. We pray for those that have left the church to come back to church. Amen? We pray for them too. So we have to keep on relying on the Lord, trusting in him, having faith in him until the hope is realized, until the hope becomes real. Amen. Go to Psalm 119, verse 49 to 50. It says, remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. That means upon which you've caused me to wait in expectation. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Right, okay, life. What does that even mean? You've given me life. What does that mean? Father God, tell me, what does it mean you've given me life? It means to nourish you, to quicken your life, to revive you from sickness. Life means to revive you from sickness. To lift you out of discouragement of spirit. To lift you out of discouragement of spirit to stop you from fainting and getting weary and to stop death having reign and rule in your life. That is what life, that is what the God kind of life is. And you may be sitting in this place today, never, maybe never been in a church, maybe never heard the, the word before. You might be listening on the live stream. But God is a God that wants to give us life more abundantly. It's not a bed of roses, but he is faithful and he will never leave you. And trust me, one day you'll have hard times. Trust me, one day you will face, you will encounter pain, deep pain in your life. And you will need to rely on something that is, you know is there. Because other things in life can be fleeting. Amen. So I can operate in faith, foolishness, or presumption. Amen. I've been very foolish a lot of times, 
But I can operate in those three areas. But we need to... See, presumption is a dangerous thing. Presuming that the Lord is going to do what you ask him to do. You know, and not reflecting on your life, the context of your life. Where are you? What have you been doing? What have you done? You know, but thank God for his grace in many occasions. But, you know, we, we got to realize that, you know, all of this without faith, without faith, faith pleases God. Not knowing the word from Genesis to Revelation off by heart, but it's done no, made no difference in our life. Faith pleases God. You know, you can have all the theology in the world, but it's totally ineffective if we don't have love. Faith worketh by love. We've got to have that crucial element. How many of you have heard the, those people, and I've said it myself, well, the word says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. I believe that is true, actually. But no one is interested in what you believe or what you say unless you have not love. If we don't have love, then that's it. Amen? Faith worketh by love. And this whole Bible here is not about faith. It's, it's about many things, but this word has the capacity to produce faith in you. So there's lots of stories. There's lots of things in this. So there's, there's Hebrews, the, the roll call of faith, the generals of faith. You can read about faith. It mentions faith all over the place, but it mentions many things. But what it does have is the ability to produce faith in us, and faith pleases God. Amen? And so we've, everyone here sitting here today, we all have the potential to engage with people in our world. Amen? And instead of being fearful, who's, so who, um, don't put your hand up, but is there anyone who's afraid or fearful about sharing their faith in Christ? I, I, know, I know that, I know that's a very real thing. It's a very real thing. But I really believe this, that if we work on it and we know his word, we get a good foundation, all right? And we work on things like being able to answer the questions that people in the world have. Most times, we fall, we fall down because we've never thought about the questions they're going to ask us. Well, but, but, well, but the Word says it. Well, how do you know that the Word's true? Well, you know, most of us can't get past question number three. If someone's really clever, they've got us. We need to know why we believe this. We need to know why we live it. Yeah. Amen? Praise the Lord. We need to know that. And so if we are prepared for the questions that the world has for us and we prepare some of our own, remember, we, we're not just the ones that have to answer all the questions. We can have questions too, and we ought to have. We've got to have questions too that will win the lost. Amen? We have got to have that. Amen? We hear of apologetics and all different things. Are we able to defend our faith? Are we able to apply the theology that we do have correctly? What sort of questions do people have? The legitimacy of the Bible, um, gender, sexual orientation, evil, suffering, 
We know these are the questions that people have. How well are we prepared to give answers to those questions? How well prepared are we? And when they say, well, you know what, you know, you believe what you want, I believe what I want. Well, that's true. You have a faith position too. I have a faith position and so do you, amen, whether you know it or not. Because a lot of people have some idea of what may happen after this life. Because this life is 15 minutes in the, sp in the span of eternity. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, or even less, actually. Well, maybe micro, micro, micro. But, I mean, it's like, you know, so everyone, you, well, what's, what's going to happen, you know? But a lot of people disbelieve Christianity, not just because most Christians don't live it out, but we falter at explaining the truth of God's word and what it does, in it, what, it, what it is meant in our life. We don't push back enough. So we need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for boldness and we need to go into every, we need to go into every conversation and every, I nearly said altercation, <laughs> every conversation and every opportunity with faith that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in that conversation. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, so if people think, well, I, there's someone that I love and they're suffering, you know what, and when they die, they're not going to suffer anymore and, you know, this is what's going to happen to them and you're like, well, how do you know that? Well, I was at dinner once having a chat and with some people and that's what they thought. Oh, so you have a faith position too. You don't know what's going to happen, but you think this might happen based on some metaphysical you know, conversation that you've had at some point of time, you know? You assume it's true based on the fact that it feels good to you or it makes some sort of sense to you. And I think to myself, do you know what? Do we really have to prove ourselves as much as we think or do we just need to live by faith? The just shall live by faith. And if we do do that, then, you know, that already, I believe, answers most of the questions that are out there. Amen? Yeah. Amen? We have ideas and a knowledge of things based on a, on a book that has been tested and tried. This book here, first the book and then the man. Jesus, this was authored and then Jesus came. You look at any other book, any other faith, any other religion, first came the man, then came the book. The Book of Mormon came after Joseph Smith. The Quran came after Muhammad. You look at all of that. This, the book came first. The inspired scripture of God came first. Yes. Isaiah was prophesying that Jesus was going to be here. Amen. Amen. Yes. So this is, okay. So this is, so we're in a great position to turn bad ideas into good ideas in, God, in people's lives. Amen. You can turn a bad, <laughs> you know, sometimes people don't like you if you say, hey, listen, that's a bad idea. And don't criticize me, man. This is what I'm doing. But it's a bad idea. Let me show, let me, let me show, let me, you know, here's a better way to do it. Amen. So the world is out there and the world needs Jesus. The, and the world needs the way, the truth, and the life. The world needs the followers of Jesus to turn them back to God. Amen. The followers of Jesus only really need to do one thing to achieve this. Believe in and live out the word of God.
Because when you believe the full gospel of God's word, then you know the effective, effectiveness and the effort. I can't pronounce the next word, so I'm not going to say it. Efficacy? I don't know. Of prayer? You, you know, you know, you know, you know that the truth is, can set people free. You know these things. Amen? Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. The just shall live by faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Followers of Christ, we just need to do the word. And, and I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that I'm disobedient multiple times a week to the voice of the Spirit. And we have to just be real and authentic because there's no, no one's perfect going to be standing up here anytime soon. So that's the way it is. Amen? So the just shall live by faith. And I th I'm thankful for my mom and dad who stood on the word of faith and they passed that down. But do you know that, 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 that many times it doesn't even reach the third generation? It doesn't reach the third generation. But we're fighting against that. We're not, we're not receiving that. We're not receiving that. Faith to faith, generation to generation. Amen. Our faith is being contended for. You agree with that? If I doubt or... If doubt, as we prayed for Angela, if doubt can get the upper hand, then it allows fear to flourish. allows fear to flourish, and your faith to be um, shipwrecked. It allows your faith to be to flounder. So we need to contend for the faith. Amen. And we all we often say this: faith is faith is the opposite of fear. So faith, faith is the antidote to doubt, amen? And you know, when I examine myself, and I'm sure we could all do this, I examine myself, I get heavy-hearted when I consider, you know, how doubts and fears have crept into my life, amen? We're not immune to, to this, but God's word tells me that there's a better way, and if I can walk in this way, I can endure to the end with my faith intact, amen? Joshua 1.9. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Anchor your heart in me and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Anchor, anchor your heart in me. Be strong. Anchor your heart in me. Amen. You know, as we live along with one another, I, I'm glad to live with this bunch of people. I really, really am. But don't you get, don't you get, I get angry when I see someone falling away from the faith. I don't get angry with the person. Don't get angry with the person, but I get, I get, I, it disturbs me when I see people falling away. When, when I see people who, who go from, from, from strong and, and it, it disturbs me, I get angry at the enemy. For we wrestle not against um, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of wickedness and high place. Those are the things we wrestle against. But I get angry. I get angry. And I'm, 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 
I'm not a social commentator. There's a lot of people who say, this is what's going on in the church right now, in the church world, and this is what's happening post-COVID and stuff like that. I'm not, I don't get into that too much, but um, because it's readily apparent to most of us that society's pretty broken and the church has been through a hard time. But as a pastor, I've, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to still preach keeping one eye on the context of what's happening out there you know, so I'm still trying to do that. And I asked myself this question, are people leaving the church or are people leaving their faith? Are they leaving the church or are they leaving their faith? Um, not in this, in most of the polls and the stats that the people come up with are, don't cover the UK, it covers the United States and places like that. But they say that 60, around 60% of people have no plans to return to church anytime soon. That is a staggering amount of people. 60% of people. And I think, you know, what is going on? Who are you, who are you going to rely on? Well, it's okay, we'll be at home. We'll be, we'll be fine. But, but God says, gather together for a reason. So that you can, be, so that you, David, you, you're with those people so you can be called out so that you can be held to account, so that you can be all that I want you to be in amongst those people. Yeah. And the same for everyone sitting here today. <laughs> you know, that's the reason why God puts us together. We can only get by on TV food for so long. I believe that. I thank God for technology. But God says, be together. Yeah. Be together. And so, you know, I think we'd all acknowledge that we live in a post-Christian society, and the way that Christians define church or adherence to their faith has changed in all sorts of ways, frequency, quality, intimacy, openness, community, it's all changed. It's all changed. And for most of us sitting here today, the world that we were born into, is, it's, that's gone you know, if you remember when it cost a halfpenny or a th see all that kind of stuff, that's well gone. It's all gone. You know, you're, you're not going to get your, your Mars bar and a, plant and a paper wrapper now anymore. You know, it's all gone. Those days, I remember wonderful youth camps in, in the sun in South Africa and growing up in the church and all of these things. And you're like, why can't it just be the way it was? It's all changed. It's all changing. Church is still the church, though. But it's all changing. It's all changing. So the familiar things of the past are gone. But there's other reasons why this is happening, and I believe it's identity. There's widespread confusion surrounding identity. And I've already mentioned that when we take the transcendent and we remove it out of our lives, other things will exalt themselves. And one that's become much more obvious in these days because of social media is the acceleration of self-image. Self. Amen? The acceleration of self, the image of self. And I'm nearly finished, but people are spiritual people, inherently spiritual, I believe that. They're not religious. Re religion has a bad name. But they're spiritual. 
So there's a seeking to find and to fulfill your oneself. So the dependence on self is on the rise. And there's a lot of skepticism about ordained structures and governance, governments, churches, organizations, that type of thing. Amen? Distrust of authority. Any, any authoritarian structure or group, distrust, because people have seen lack of integrity, lack of character at the core, just a broken, a broken picture of these things. And in the past, and it's still the same today, power tends to flow upwards. Power flows upwards towards those that wield the power and the governance or whatever it is, and that gets abused. And that's nothing new. It's always been like that. Then Jesus came, and he turned the world upside down, and he said, I'm here to serve you. I have all, the power and the glory are mine, but I'm here to serve you, and it would do us good to emulate that. Amen. And whilst Jesus was on this earth, who did he rely upon? His father. His father. He relied upon him. Amen. So we're not going to lose hope, amen? Christianity is flourishing where people have to fight for it. Christianity, the church is growing where it's getting hammered. In places where faith in Christ is against the law or it's marginalized, where there's systemic persecution against the church, the church is thriving. And I could say, that where there's total reliance on God, where people are totally relying on God, his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, want, we, we sing about that and we want that. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the difference between us in the West and people on these other continents and countries? I'm leaving that one to a Selah moment. You can pause and think about it. Amen. So, someone said that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You know, there's a great, great sacrifices are made, amen, to grow the church. But we are becoming much more autonomous in the West, individualistic. And the question that needs an answer for most people is, what is, who am I? What is my identity? Where do I fit in? But it's very much about me. But I understand that because... You know, we all have that element to ourselves. So, but when Christianity is no longer central to life, to um, relationships, to our values, all of these things, other things come in to fill the vacuum. And these things take the place of God. They be, these things become the idols that people exalt in their lives. Amen. You know, and I want to finish with this little illustration about we weren't designed to totally rely and trust on each other. That might, well, aren't you supposed, you're a Christian, good Christian, right? Well, you've got to trust me, right? God never designed us to carry that weight. You know, it's like in a marriage. God, God, is, the, <laughs> God is the third person in our marriage. You know, thanks. You know, when you get salmon fish cakes two days in a row, you, you need help, man. You thank Lord 
to God, you know, without him, I would need to rely on Linda to satisfy every single mental, emotional, spiritual, physical need that I have. And I can't expect that from her. She was never designed to do that. That's why there's three of us in the marriage. Amen, Kieran and Emma. Amen. And I believe that's one of the reasons why marriages are under such pressure and susceptible to breakdown. Unrealistic expectations. Linda was never designed, nor was I, to completely fulfill one another's needs. And we are not designed to completely fulfill one another's needs. Because you hear things like that, I'm going to change my wedding vows a wee bit and I'm going to put in, you complete me. You fulfill me. You're, the, you're the, the cherry on my cake or whatever. I don't know, all this kind of stuff, you know. That's a lot of weight to place on someone else's shoulders. God's word tells me what my role is as a husband. God's word tells Linda what her role is as, as a wife. God's word will tell you what your role is as a friend. God's word will tell you what your role is as a Christian. God's word tells you, gives you your job description. It's not a mystery. If you go to the word, it will tell you who you are. A lot of people don't know what they are. And we love people. But we have to tell people, this is who God says you are. You were created in his image and likeness. Man and woman, he created them. That is who you are. That is who you are. And we let the grace of God do the work. We have to just do what the word says. Amen. 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 So, praise the Lord. God has designed us to rely totally on him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.